This was recorded live at Trinity Church in San Juan, Puerto Rico. For more information, go to trinitypr.org. So I've, we rolling? Did I do it right? Amen, amen. Man, I praise God for the sound team. Nobody ever gives the sound team and the video team love. Amen. I switched my PowerPoint up and switched the sermon up, and them young cats just threw it together. I, I just told them like 13 seconds ago, and they already worked it out. But yeah, praise God. One thing I'll do is I'll, I'll correct the, um, the bishop, the bishop Zach. I am from Patterson, New Jersey, by way of Camden, New Jersey. Amen. I live in Virginia now, and I'm very happy to. Um, as I've did urban ministry, I planted a church in Camden, New Jersey in 2011, and I was there for about, I was there to 2018. And so, yeah, so I moved to Virginia to overcome my PTSDs and have a, some grass for my grandkids to run on. Amen. So praise God, praise God. But yeah, so I'll tell you this last thing and then we're going to jump right in. But Zach said, well, Pastor Doug, I'm 30. And I said, you know, my father would always say, if I've, you said something about your age, my old Doug Sr. would say, I got shoes older than you, boy. And, um, but I didn't say shoes. I said, I got a son older than you. So, so my kids are 34, 25, 24. And so, yeah, it's pretty nuts, but praise God. But I am very, very excited to be here. Um, I've, Ronnie Garcia is my ace boom. That means friend, and um, <laughs> that's my joke. And so to be here, we tried to come during the hurricane, which I'm so sad um, about. And then the next time we were on the phone, the earthquake started, and then I couldn't come then. And then COVID happened. We couldn't come then. So I am more than overjoyed to be here to serve with you and um, to meet Pastor Zach and to meet all of you. When Pastor Ronnie um, Garcia talks about church planting and he talks about this church, he talks with great joy and great love. So then when I see your faces, I'm able to put a face on his smile that he talked about this church and this island with such great esteem. So I'm just glad to be here, excited to preach. I'm going to be in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. And get us in here and get us out of here um, by God's grace. So let me pray, preach, and then sneak out of here. Father in heaven, you alone are worthy. We, we love you. We, we are mindful of Ukraine. We, we are mindful of aggression against the people. Um, Lord, sin has moved aggressively against humanity, and you have saved us, those who know you by, through repentance and faith in Christ and that aggression has not necessarily been stopped but it but we have been provided the protection to endure so God we pray that you would keep and protect the people in Ukraine we pray that um, um, you would change the hearts even in Russia and we pray God that um, through your sparing beautiful grace that you would um, in this stuff soon and for those who know you as savior there 
that they would not stop sharing the gospel with people across the Ukraine and Russia. So have your way. Um, bless us today as we gather. Give us focus that we might zoom into your holy word. You have given it to us that we would not just be experts in what it is, but that we would be doers also, that we would demonstrate your grace in our hearts in Puerto Rico and San Juan and beyond that many and any might come to know you as Savior and Lord. So we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let me read for your hearing Romans 5, 1 through 5. And now I know you guys have the ESV, the elect standard version. I'm reading from the CSB, the Camden Street Bible. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in, in the hope of the glory of God. So beautiful. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Who was given to us. Amen. See, in Romans 1 through 4, those chapters, the apostle walks us through God's plan, God's power, and God's promise that will all be fulfilled and operated through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through both Jews and Gentiles, though both Jews and Gentiles were under condemnation due to their sins, God has made a way for us to experience his comprehensive blessing in our lives now and forever to those who trust them through repentance and faith. So Romans chapter 5, 1 through 5, is a segue that brings us into the reality of saving grace in Jesus and its effect in our present lives. In fact, in the New American Commentary, it states that verse, um, verses, verses 1, since we have been justified by faith, is the summary argument of all chapters one through four. So what Paul is telling us now in verses one through five of chapter five is that since we have been justified by faith, the reality of the gospel means things for the believer. Our, my simple three ideas of this reality is since we have been justified by faith is we have peace with God we have access to his presence, and we have a sure hope in his promise of sharing in his glory. We have peace with God, we have access to his presence, and we have a sure hope in his promise of sharing in his glory. So if we can grasp the, these realities, pastors and Christians, preachers and deacons, anybody, we will be empowered by the Spirit with an enduring resilience as we serve the Lord Jesus. And that's seen throughout this verses one through five. So let's get jump, let's jump right in it. First, we have peace with God. Yeah, we have peace with God, Romans 1 tells us. Forgive me. 
lost my page. There it is. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. See, I'm sorry, the title of my sermon is Spirit-Powered Resilience. This is this picture of endurance and how the Holy Spirit is the snapback in our struggles as we walk with Jesus in this life. So Spirit-Powered Resilience flows from the reality of our peace with God because of justification by faith. We have peace with God through his power to justify sinners. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Remember that peace is not the absence of hostility right now. Rather, the comprehensive reconciliation and eternal hope of God conquering our greatest enemy, sin, and canceling and conquering that forever. See, peace is a posture that is most exemplified on the cross. This is the picture of peace. See, often we think of peace as this concept or idea of no longer arguing, of no longer currently actively fighting with one another. No, peace is not that. That's called a corny ceasefire. Peace has, carries the idea of reconciliation, reconciled. And this, it brings, and so the Lord Jesus demonstrated the beautiful picture of peace on the cross. See, when one of the other criminals attempts to talk to Jesus off the cross and create a bootleg peace through raising up and not laying down his life, Jesus doesn't get down. The thief on the cross says, why don't you get down, save yourself, and save us? Everybody wants a temporary bootleg piece to get them through the, a couple of weeks or a couple of days. There are tons of things that create bootleg peace or that we medicate ourselves on to generate a peace, but it has no eternal implications. Jesus on the cross said he will not do a quick fix of peace. He has a comprehensive peace that comes from him not getting down. And so he rejects the thief on the cross, the one thief, and doesn't get down and stays up. I'm so glad he stayed on the cross. Why? Because he knows the promise that if he's lifted up from the earth, he will draw all men to himself. Then no one takes his life, but he lays it down willingly. That in the garden, God said that he would crush the head of the serpent and that he would use the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent. We know this from the Proto-Euangelion, that he was a crusher of, and a reverser of the curse. This God-man, this Mashiach, this Messiah was coming and he was going to do the dirt, the devil dirty, that he would protect and provide a place for a people that he was creating. He knows Jesus doesn't get down because he knows the promise that this cup will not pass. This cup of wrath that he would endure would not pass, but he must drink this bitter cup of wrath because that bitter cup of wrath that he would drink and die on a cross would have eternal purposes. He wasn't trying to achieve a ceasefire, 
but reconciliation between sinful humans and a holy God. He was seeking the removal of the hostility. This is authentic restoration, I mean reconciliation. That's why all our bootleg attempts at, at racial reconciliation and these type of reconciliations, they all drive at a conversation about God, but often don't get us to the activity of walking in the, the actual reconciliation. Jesus was not interested in demonstrating the idea of reconciliation. He was interested in doing it. And by his grace, he did. And because of him laying down his life and dying a filthy death in my place, I have authentic, eternal reconciliation with God. On the block, we would say the beef has been squashed. I'm good now. I'm not looking over my shoulder. The sinful hitman can kill me, but he can't separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. All he can do is send me to glory sooner. But people try to create situational peace in order to find rest for their souls. They try to find a better job, better savings, more secure alarm system, getting fit at the gym, better diet, maybe they go vegan. Keto, all of them online, happier relationships, etc. None of the peace, none of that peace will give you rest for your souls. That Paul is talking about in this passage, the apostle. And the culture tells us their bootleg version of peace. Man, see. Man never made any material as resilient as the human spirit. Just can't make it. God made that. The human capacity for burden is like bamboo, far more flexible than you'd ever believe at first glance. See, resilience is the ability to attack while running away. Resilience is very different than being numb. Resilience means you experience, you feel, you fail, you hurt, you fall, but you keep going. That's the picture. Most exemplified in our Lord Jesus in his whole life, but particularly in his three-year ministry, when he had perplexed the kings at 12 when his teaching. He had perplexed the, the preachers and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the Sadducees by his eternal swagger to open up and crack open the Hebrew text and teach it with authority, 12 years old, barely wearing a size 7 shoe. This Jesus. And then by that, and in that same time, even preborn had perplexed the king to send hitmen after him all across the land to kill him to secure his earthly so-called spot. This Jesus. But Jesus, God kept him and Jesus throughout his ministry. That's why I love the text where it says they came to kill Jesus, but he just slipped through the midst of them. I like that. He just, he didn't use the trap door or the back door. He just, like a mist, just slipped through them. 
because the Bible says it wasn't his time yet. What a God we serve. He can just slip through so that you can slip through the death that you deserve, the hell that we deserve. He slipped through to slip you into glory through repentance and faith in his beautiful name. Resilience. It's, a, it's built in feeling and failure. We hurt, but we keep going. Let me say this also. A works righteousness, works righteousness meaning accomplishing holiness with God through human works or good deeds because you cannot work enough to be righteous. Why do people who don't believe in Jesus when they go to hell have to spend eternity in hell? Because it's an, it takes an eternity to pay the sin debt. That's why. It's never paid. So filthy works make Jesus' beautiful cross work, his atoning work, seem like overtime and muscle create peace. They do not. The only one can produce lasting eternal peace is the eternal God in his son Jesus. There is no other way. There is no escape. There is no getting around that. There is no ducking that. You can't produce nothing to get you in relationship with God. You can't do anything. That's the Bible is replete. And I love Isaiah. He says, by his stripes we are healed. It's by his pain we are healed. It's on his cross in which he died. And all by that, it proves and points to man that we have no hope without God which should drive us not just to conjure up some bootleg version of peace, but should drive us to the Prince of Peace, that we would come in broken and bowed before the King, crying out, Lord, save me. And then in that salvation, we're the weirdest people on earth. We're Christians. We cry for no good reason. We sing songs that don't make sense. We have friends that we used to hate. They're not even friends, but we have family members that we used to hate. We're a weird crew, just weirdos. I love it. I had to speak at the Senate one time, Senate floor last year. And a part of my introduction, part of my question, somebody asked me a question, I don't know who it was, maybe it was Cory Booker, and I said, well, my biracial kids and my Puerto Rican grandkids, I have a better plan for them through Christ. One of my buddies called me and said, look at Jesus. He said, you just messed them up. You either are crazy Christian or you are a nasty adulterer because you got too much stuff going on here. But I never forget somebody asked me, how do you have Puerto Rican grandkids? And biracial kids, you know what I told them? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the peace that I have in that reality flows purely from the crazy world 
and this crazy family we are. It's a beautiful, crazy family. Heaven has heard prayers for Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine is lit up in heaven right now with so many people praying. People that don't know anybody in Ukraine are praying. Do you see how nuts that is and how beautiful that is at the same time? This is the peace we have with God, and this is the peace we want for others. So that's why the text declares, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How can you endure? How, does, how are you resilient? It's because Jesus keeps you in the toughest of moments. My second idea. First one was peace with God. Second one is we have access to his presence. Access to his presence. Verse 2, look what it says. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast and hope in the glory of God. See, our access to his grace-filled presence is through him by faith. See, what it does is it empowers us to endure in ministry and in this life. See, when the going gets rough, when the bills get tight, when there's conflict on the left and on the right, you can rejoice as the song says, hallelujah, I am not alone. He's my comfort. He always holds me close. See, see, Christian, you can endure in this life by the power of the Spirit because God is with you. See, we continue in peace because of his presence with us. So the only way we have peace is because God is present. I like that. That's the booby trap for the believer to constantly seek the presence of the living God. It's for us to constantly be praying, constantly be fasting, constantly repenting, constantly confessing our faults to one another, constantly living out the one another's with one another. The Christian faith is not... James Harden basketball faith. If you watch basketball, James Harden used to play hero ball. Every time he got the ball, he, the, um, the, the commentators say he had to handle the ball 85% of the time. That means he thought he was doing it all on his own. But the beauty of the believer, if we're going to have authentic peace, you can't just hold the ball on your own, but you have to seek the presence of God. And here's how you seek the presence of God. It's not just in your quiet time with your Bible reading. Nah, it's with me and the brothers and sisters of our body. We get together and we seek the peace of God together. We are a big unit, a family unit. The Bible refers to a covenant community, a nation, a family, a body. No hero ball in the Christian faith. We do this together. That's why you got to wear Holy Ghost deodorant in the body of Christ. Because people are always up on you. One thing we don't allow in our church is when you say, Pastor Doug, mind your business. You are my business. You in the faith now. You've been baptized into the name. You got a new name. You got envelopes to tithe and everything. You ain't telling me to mind my business. I'm on your Facebook. I'm on your Twitter. You better not be posting no crap because I'm going to catch you. Mind my business. You got a public Facebook post. It is my business. And if they didn't, We can't mind our business. We are family, unescapable. I can go in your refrigerator without asking right now. (laughs) 
I believe that. My, grand, my daughter-in-law was from Puerto Rico, from Vialba. She said, when she married my son years ago, I said, daughter. And she finally said, she calls me suegro. I say, I don't like that law stuff. So in the hood, we say daughter in love, not daughter in law. So I just call her daughter. And then I think one of her sisters says something like, why he calling you daughter? And she said, well, you know how black folk do. They don't like law. <laughs> That's kind of not what I said. <laughs> But that's real family. That's real family. That's who we are. Real family. I call so many white kids and Asian kids nephew, niece. I called one niece so much, Pastor Zach. She said, Dad, is he actually related to us? And his dad graciously said, yes. We are the family of God, right? So we seek, we have peace with God through Jesus. We constantly seek his presence, but not just in some spooky way, but in a tangible way, one with another. That's why those one another's are in the Bible. Confess your faults one another, pray for one another, love one another, bear one another's burdens. And every one of them is in the imp imperatival voice. Imperatival voice means they are commands. They are not options. When you don't do to one another's, you sin. It's not optional to, to bang and hang with me. We are family, that's what we do. Pastor Zach looking at me funny, Jake. I better move on. I can see through that mask, he ain't smiling. I like picking on him. He's so Presbyterian. <laughs> I just feel like I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna be reported and Lee Duncan and them are gonna come after me tomorrow. <laughs> in Christ, we have this promise in this presence. Deuteronomy 3, 31, eight says, and this is for, you, for those who trust Christ. This is yours, for maybe somebody here doesn't. I so want it to be. Listen, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. That's my prayer for the Ukraine right now, for those who know him. He will never leave you nor abandon you. He has brought you into his very presence behind the veil forever. This means that we get backstage pass to the very presence of the living God. Trinity Church, in times of trouble, whose presence are you abiding in? Might it be Jesus? Don't forget experientially where you are definitively. Don't forget experientially where you are definitively. You are hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3 tells us. Definitively. That means on those depressed days, those anxiety-ridden days, those dark nights, those struggles with all types of insecurity and uncertainty, your, your past, and maybe the uncertainty of your future. Definitively, in Christ, you are secure, and in his presence is the fullness of joy. 
No devil, don't let, we, we don't let devils or demons or depression talk us out of that. That's why we speak the word to one another. That's why we speak the word to ourselves. That's why we have the word hanging in our houses. That's why we, you have those long voice messages with Bible verses that nobody wants to hear. It's the word, it's the word, it's the word. It drives us to the cross and drives us to our, our authentic identity. We are secure, hidden in Christ, hidden in Christ. My last idea, I'm almost out of here, Zach. I want no problems. Look at him, you see, that's, see he old black church. Look at him tapping his, tapping his wrist. I like that. That's that Kansas in him. <laughs> near Wichita, so, uh, so we have peace with God. We have the beautiful presence of God. I want that presence to hit you like. That's why I use this language of backstage. We are in the very presence of a God who we had committed high treason against. He moved us from enemy and treasonous violator to son and daughter, and then brought us onto his staff and entrusted us with his gospel. Do you see the power of the gospel to do that? And then he's the ultimate I always say God is the ultimate team development guy because he knows how to get free agents and put them together on teams where we don't think it's going to work. And then God causes it to work. The very presence of God. So in that very presence of God, we have a sure hope in his promise of sharing in his glory. We have a sure hope of his promise of sharing in his glory. Look what it says. We have obtained access through him by faith and grace, by faith into this grace in which we stand and boast in the hope of his, in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in the afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance proven, produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. Verse five, this hope will not disappoint us, hallelujah, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So simply put, we boast in the hope of the promise of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the promise of the glory of God. This is important. My father, Doug Sr., went to heaven back in 2012, late 2011 actually, almost 2012. He couldn't read and write well. He went to fourth grade, drove a truck for a living, alcoholic most of his life, abusive man, angry man, bad dad, but one day the Lord Jesus saved him. And if he relied on his theological understanding in depth 
of ecclesiology, pneumatology, eschatology, and all the ologies that Pastor Zach went to covenant to attain. Amen, somebody. All the books that we've had to read, all the papers we've had to write, Doug Sr. would have had no confidence in his salvation. But Doug Sr., with a little bit he could read, he found his sure hope in life and on his deathbed in the promise of God. He didn't know all the ologies. John and Calvin were drug dealers in my neighborhood. <laughs> he didn't have a library, but he had the promise of the living God. He had a simple faith that Jesus died, rose again. He would not say Jesus. He would only say the master died. The master rose. And the master has made a home for me, as Doug Sr. would say, with no mortgage. The master's made me a homeboy for me with no mortgage. That was it. So if you're here today, I love books. I've got an extensive library, more than I should. But Paul's drive here to the church that met at Rome was that we boast in the hope of the promise of the glory of God. That's what my father boasted in, and that's what we all boast in. We boast that these low, this low land of sorrows is not our final destination. We agree with Psalm 30, verse 5, when it says, Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. See, we see it not as we don't see this life as final at all. See, the empty grave and the resurrected Jesus has the final say. This life does not have the final say. He already is victorious for us. We can follow him today, living out his way in a hostile land as we wait for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Titus 2 tells us. And Romans 5, 5 tells us definitively that this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. I want you to feel that. I want you to feel on your dark days and you have the peace with God and in his presence is the fullness of joy and he is reliable. God has not second guessing saving you Christian. He is not thinking twice about doing it. Your failure since your salvation has not caused him to wonder if he should recant and pull back his grace. No, he has secured your way to God. What a savior. He's not like us. His Facebook status never changes ever. He's married to us, committed to us, loves us, died for us, and you in your rust, in your good day, your bad day, your dying day, he will not disappoint. 
He's reliable. He's steady. He's the rock of, he is our savior. He's the king of king, the Lord of lords. He's not a man that he should lie. So we can take all we have and all we are and place it in the powerful hand of Jesus. We can trust him against any and all. He is our rock. He is our life. That's why we lift holy hands. That's why we sing. That's why we're resilient. That's why in Puerto Rico we overcome as a church hurricanes. We overcome earthquakes and we're still standing right here screaming Jesus is Lord. None of that stuff changes who we are. Why? Because we have our eyes on the finish line. Theologians call that this eschatological hope, end time hope. We are not focused on our circumstances. We're focused on the cross. We're not controlled by our circumstances. We're controlled by an empty tomb. The promise drives us, not the pain. The promise drives me, not the pressure. I'm driven by the promise that one day, not long from now, I will stand with my Savior, no longer settling for touching the hem of his garment, but I'll hug him fully up, and I will rejoice and sing with him for all eternity. That's what I'm screaming. That's what I'm chasing. I want his peace. I got it now. I want his presence. I got it now. And I can't wait to... Because his promise gets me to the place with him. He won't disappoint. God has poured out his love for us. It's God's love and promise that makes me get up in the morning when I don't feel like being a pastor, when I don't feel like being a Christian. It's God's love and his promise and the sure hope of this eschatological hope that we have, the reality that this stuff here doesn't define me, but the promise of God defines me. Let me close with this. I'm a Marvel movie guy. Maybe that offends somebody. It's okay. I forgive you. In the movie, The Black Panther, his sister designed this suit, the little Black Panther suit, in order that when he would absorb punches and attacks, even bombs and bullets, that that suit would absorb it and he wouldn't his body wouldn't absorb it. His sister designed the suit for the Black Panther to protect him, but also to give him some power from all the absorbed pain, pressures, and pops he was receiving on the battlefield. The power is absorbed and it's used against the enemy. See, that's what suffering does for us. Suffering is used as fuel 
that God uses to power the believer. So we don't run from the problem of pain. We cling to the promise. And the promise means God is the suit. Jesus is the suit who takes all of our pain. Isaiah 53 told us, it's by his stripes and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus takes the suit, Jesus takes the purple suit, giving up all of his power and to fight for us. Now we by his spirit have resurrection power in God. So Jesus has absorbed all the pain of this life for us. We still will experience some, but it won't destroy us in Christ. And then we see on the cross, he took that suffering to power back against the evil one and against the sin of this life that he resurrected. He absorbed the pain and used it to power us as sons and daughters for all life, for all eternal life. That's resilience. The empty tomb screams resilience. Him coming back screams resilience. We are resurrection people. We are resilient. So if you're here and you don't know that Savior, I'm screaming to you, there is only one way, one hope, and that is Jesus. And that Jesus is here to absorb your pain and use it to fuel you and power you through this life. Though you'll still experience pain, he has taken the full wrath of God, licked the bowl, and he liberally gives away his grace to any that call on his name. So if you're here today, call on his name. If you're here and don't know him, call on him. Pastor Zach and these elders, they want to be your pastor. Trinity wants, wants to be your church. This family here wants to be your new brothers and sisters. There's no cousins in the kingdom of God, only brothers and sisters. They want to be your family. So if you're here and you don't know them, you just holler at one of these cats. I'm sorry. You just speak <laughs> privately to some of the team here that they might point you to the one, Jesus Christ, the only way, truth, and life. Father, thank you for today. And Lord, um, we need your peace. We need your presence. And we, and we, we cling to your promise. We have a sure hope, a sure peace, a sure reality of you keeping us. So God, we would ask you to have, you, have your way. Continue in this gathering to pull on hearts. God, we know the gospel is for both the lost and the found. So those who have been found in you, cause them to repent and believe the gospel. Those of you, those here that may not know you, cause the same thing, that they might repent and believe the gospel for the first time. So God, be with us. We thank you. Our minds, heart is on Ukraine. We're praying that you would do some crazy and mighty things. But God, keep us praying for both Russia and Ukraine for this matter. And God, keep our hearts here in Puerto Rico. There's a lot of people that don't know you. And God, we want, every, we want good problems at Trinity Church. We want good problems, good problems like we are out of chairs, good problems like we need more baptism time, good problems like we're low on disciple makers because we've got so many people. So Lord, open us up that we might serve you on, in this city for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.